Welcome to Racing Girls Rock Podcast, presented by the Women's Motorsports Network. I'm Melinda Russell, the founder and CEO. I also founded the International Women's Motorsports Association and the Women's Motorsports Network News Online Magazine. Today's episode is brought to you by our official travel planner, Brittany Heisinger. Brittany specializes in Disney trips, but can book any trip anywhere you want to go, from Hawaii to Houston, Alaska to Australia, or anywhere in between. Last year, she helped over 100 families plan magical vacations to Universal Studios, Disneyland and Disney World, Mount Rushmore, Las Vegas, Cabo, Hawaii, Aruba, and Iceland, to name a few. In just her first year since joining the Smart Moms Travel Group, she's won the Rising Star Award, the Top Paid Agent Award, and won a rewards trip. She hit her sales goal, joined Team Fantasyland at her agency, became a Walt Disney World pass holder and magic key holder, and more importantly, has made lifelong friends. You can connect to Brittany on this Instagram at travelwithzing or give her a call at 602-291-5144. Check out the show notes for more information and tell her Melinda sent you. And now it's time for this week's show. Hello, everyone. This is Melinda Russell with Racing Girls Rock Podcast. And I have a very special guest today, which all my guests are special, but some are, are more special because we've kind of been trying to get together for a while, haven't we, Hannah? And yes. just we just, our schedules didn't work, but we finally got to meet today and we're going to have a great conversation. We're going to learn a lot about Hannah and what she's doing and how she got interested in motorsports. So why don't you start, Hannah, please, first by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you live, your family, whatever you're comfortable with. Yeah, so uh, I currently live in the Charlotte area, which of course, if you know, you're familiar with the world of motorsports, that is a metro for all things motorsports. Uh, relocated here from Idaho in 2016, and actually was still trying to be a driver at the time. I used to race pavement super late models, um, moved out here, you know, on a deal with Toyota, thought that, that was going to be my path. And lo and behold, you know, what is six, seven years later now has been a complete snowball in a different direction, which I'm so thankful for um, because I love my job. But I now, I like to say I'm kind of a jack of all trades in the motorsports reporting industry. I've worked with everyone from, Motor Racing Network on Pit Road for NASCAR, NBC with IMSA. Right now, I'm kind of currently pretty full force involved in the world of outlaws on the late model side of things in dirt vision. Um, I mean, I've done pavement late model racing, you know, as, as a motorsports reporter now. So uh, it keeps me busy. You know, the contractor life is a crazy life to live. If you'd asked me six years ago, if I'd have been in front of the camera, I'd have told you you're crazy. But, um, you know, it's been so much fun. My fiance also works as a motorsports reporter. He's a reporter for NBC doing IMSA, IndyCar, and NASCAR. So he's actually at the Rolex right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the one tough thing about it, we joke that, you know, we are used to not seeing each other, but we have a three-year-old Aussie, Australian Shepherd, and she's the hardest part about leaving home every week. But uh, no, it's exciting. My goal is to eventually be able to take her eventually. Yes, yes for sure. Because you can't leave your child at home. And, and even if it's a four-legged child, it's still your right. child. And so, right. <laughs> yeah. Are you comfortable sharing who your boyfriend is? Yeah. My fiance is, yeah, he's Dylan Welch. Dylan Welch. So that people will be watching for him now. I know this weekend is the Rolex 
And uh, then next weekend is the the clash, the crash. We're not sure if it's going to be a clash or a crash in uh, the Coliseum. And I actually have tickets to go to that. So I'm so excited about going to that race. I think that's going to be so fun. I was just, um, I'm in the Phoenix area right now for the winter. And I was just at the test, the next gen test okay. on Tuesday. And uh, my, you know, there was quite a good crowd of people there. It was free to get in. And it was interesting. I said to my husband, as we were walking up, you could hear the cars. And I said, well, so far, I don't hear anything different. Um, because, you know, you hear all the, oh, they don't sound as good. They don't go as fast. They don't look as good. I disagree with all of that. I thought they sounded great. I think they look great. And they looked pretty fast to me. So um, I was excited to go to the test. And now I'm going to get to go watch them race. So that's going to be fun. But you, you've done so many different things. So um, I know, um, I think when I first saw you or saw your name, you were doing some things for NASCAR, maybe on pit road. And, um, <clears throat> you know, I like to follow women in motorsports to see what they're up to. What's the best thing about your job or even, you know, being a woman in motorsports? What do you enjoy about it the most? Um, I mean, there's a lot of things that I would say are all kind of tied together. Uh, you know, originally when I kind of got pulled into this job, um, I mean, it was purely accidental in the sense that I had moved out here and I wanted to be a race car driver. That's what I wanted to be. And when it kind of wasn't panning out, I wasn't really sure what my next steps in life were going to be. And I was out here by myself, you know, at 16, 17 years old. And I was in a lease and I needed a job and I'd already, you know, skipped out on that semester of college because I was in college at the time because I graduated early to be able to go drive race cars and uh, didn't really know what I was doing and took a job with a small motorsports media company for a couple months just doing marketing so I could still maybe go race if the opportunity came up and MRN actually called me kind of knowing who I was through having had been a driver I'd actually been a guest on a couple of their shows and, you know, they found out that I was doing some on-air stuff and they were like, what do you think about auditioning? And I was like, there's no way they're going to have me audition. Like I'm 18 years old, no radio, no TV background. I mean, I am not suited for this job. And they were like, well, we'll teach you. So I went and auditioned and what, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. They eventually gave me not only the in-studio job, but they let me audition for a pit road position which was crazy. I mean, again, crazy to me. There's people that go to broadcasting school and, you know, all this stuff. And they pulled 18 year old Hannah and said, let's give her a shot. And what I think I love the most about it is the thing that I love the most about driving race cars, obviously was the racing aspect, but a close second was getting to travel the country with my friends and my family and almost the social aspect of it, right? Like interacting with each other at the racetrack, outside of the racetrack, like being around fans, being around the teams. And I'm still doing that. I'm still getting to do that. I'm traveling with these teams. I'm cultivating these relationships. I'm learning these stories. Mm -hmm. And the fun thing is, is now I get to be that person that projects those stories for the drivers. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've created great relationships with teams, drivers, manufacturers, series now, I mean, almost across the world and, uh, to have those relationships is, you know, amazing. Like there are teams from IMSA 
or even some of the drivers that, you know, race in USAC that are from the UK that we've created relationships with. They're like, Hey, if you ever want to come to the UK, uh-huh. let us know like our guest house. <laughs> and I'm like, how did we even get here? So the relationships is probably, you know, I figured I've met, I've met fans that have become great friends of mine that, you know, I would have never met had I not fortunately given, been given the platform of becoming, you know, a a face of motorsports. Right. Well, they must've seen something about you, Hannah. And, and one thing, you know, you say, Oh, I wasn't fitted for the job. Well, you do have a motorsports background and you can talk the talk and you understand you've been a driver. There's a lot of, lot of gals who, you know, want to be a reporter who don't have that background and they can, like they said, they can teach you the on-air things. That's broadcasting school, right? Right. They can't teach you how it feels to be in a race car unless you've done it. So you were prepared for it. You just, didn't know it at the time and now you look back and and you really were prepared for where you're headed now yeah I definitely needed a little polishing I think that was you know what my producer always said you can always polish it I can teach you how to you know uh, toss a commercial and and end an interview correctly and I think one of the things that was nice and set me apart maybe from other people that were being pulled into the industry and even as I change industries is that fact that I have been a driver so that respect aspect from mm-hmm. the drivers and the crew chiefs and the crew guys is when I go in and ask a question, especially a technical question, they're they're aware that that question wasn't fed to me. They're aware that the question that I'm asking is because I made an observation or I know. And that's kind of also something that I've taken pride in in the sense that since I do have a technical background and I've worked on these cars, I've helped build these cars. When I've had to transfer into different disciplines of racing, you know, like IMSA, sports car racing was pretty foreign to me. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, it's still a stock car, but there's a lot of different moving parts all the way into like dirt and open wheel racing. That's a whole new ball game. So I always really took pride in like prior to, or maybe in the midst of, you know, working with that division, I would make sure that I got over to someone's shop or I got there a day beforehand and, you know, found the right person to be like, okay what can you help me absorb in, you know, two hours? Or are you okay with just me standing here and asking questions and answering? And fortunately, absolutely everyone that I've, you know, come across has been so inviting and so willing to help me learn. Um, But I think that's, you know, a big part of, you know, being being in this discipline of the industry Mm -hmm. is you can't just, you know, ask questions about how their race went. I feel like there's a whole nother level that sets you apart from maybe other people, you know, on air. Well, so true because I, so many times I've said, I wish fans could experience the behind the scenes because so many times they, they love racing. They buy their tickets. They go to the race. They sit in the grandstand, they go home. They don't understand what it takes to get the car there, to get it ready to go, how much money it costs, the crew, how long hours they work, all those things, you know, Um, and that's from short track, local racing, all the way up to, you know, F1, NASCAR, whatever you want to say, because um, there's just so many moving parts that have to work together. And I, that's the part I love about it. I love that it takes you and me and Joe, the mechanic and the tire girl and the whoever. And if we didn't all have the same goal, we're not going to get that car on the track. And even if we do, it's not going to do very well. And so that's what I love about even talking like to gals like you, 
talk about the behind the scenes because that's what people don't see typically and don't understand. And the fact that you worked on cars, you do know the questions to ask. So you have a lot of credibility with the drivers for sure. Yeah. One thing I would always tell people is if you ever get the opportunity, you know, to go to the area where you're, you know, the racing that you enjoy is kind of based. So for example, NASCAR in North Carolina and Mooresville, the area, like if you ever get the chance to come here, if the opportunity is available, do a shop tour, find a shop and do a shop tour because, you know, they get to see these polished teams on pit road, like you said, at the races, but the shops and the teams and the process that they have is incredible. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is a well-oiled machine like Penske shop is state of the art, mm-hmm. everything that they're doing. I mean, it's, it's incredible, but at the end of the day, you know, the flashiness can only tell so much of the story. I mean, these guys are putting in hours, mm-hmm. like no one knows. I mean, this year has been more trying probably than previous yeah. years because of these next gen tests, you know, we, right. there was no off season, the off season ended in November or the season ended in November they were testing at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. They tested in Phoenix this week. There was supposed to be a test uh, maybe back in Daytona in January. And, uh, or there was a test. They went and to so, Atlanta and tested on the new track. That's right. Yeah, Atlanta. And so it's like most of these people, you know, have families. They have kids. So there's so much that goes into this. The commitment is incredible. Yeah. And even in the short period of time that I've been in the NASCAR side of things, the engineering is absolutely insane. I mean, to watch someone have a laptop or an iPad for that matter. And I'm standing on pit road with them and they're, you know, watching their car go by and they're getting like data fed back to them on, you know, on shock rebound and RPMs and how the motor's running and travel. And I'm sitting here going, This is insane because obviously Mm -hmm. this technology has not hit the short track racing world. And honestly, I hope it never does because we can't afford it. So leave it at the top levels, but it's the behind the scenes is incredible. And also on the same, the same notion, if you ever get the opportunity, you know, to go to a racetrack and get a hot pass or do a garage tour, you know, Mm -hmm. do it. Like I, it may sound crazy, but what you kind of see behind the scenes is very eye opening to the product that you see on the racetrack. Oh, absolutely. I can remember the first time that I was able to go through the garage and a, um, a gal that I made friends with through this and I had interviewed her and that she was a tire specialist and she said, why don't you come? I'll give you a garage tour. And she took us through Chris Busher's hauler. That's who she was a tire specialist for. She took us through the hauler and she took us to the garage and the tool chest. I mean, most people don't get excited about a tool chest, right? Right. But that tool chest was the most amazing tool chest I'd ever seen. Not not to mention how big it was, but it had all these little buttons and it flipped up and it did this and it did that and was just crazy. And the things that she explained and like told me about the sponsorships, I learned more from her that day than I've learned about NASCAR in months and years of watching it just because I was behind behind the curtain if you will where Mm -hmm. I could see what really happens and wow it it was just fascinating and it just makes you love the sport even more when you see what it takes to get those cars on the track yeah absolutely we're 
I've been fortunate to make friends in all the different, you know, roles within motorsports. And actually a couple of weeks ago, it was funny at, at Chili Bowl, um, you know, myself and Dylan, and then a couple of our other friends, uh, we all got a, an Airbnb together for Chili Bowl and we're all involved in motorsports in different degrees. And one of my friends is actually the marketing rep or well, marketing and client rep for Chevrolet. My other friend is the uh, public relations for Hendrick on the 24 car. And then you've got Dylan and I who are on the media side of things. And then our other friend is kind of like one of the head engineers and just the conversations and conference calls and emails and everything that was being done in that household. Mm-hmm. I mean, you stopped for a second and you were listening to the other person's conference call and you're like, I didn't even think that that would be a part of like, part of your job and here it is you know she's she's setting up hospitality events for martinsville in the fall you know what i mean to get sponsorship activation so that the company that they work with can run a promotion at their job so it's all set up for october and the chevrolet people are making sure that you know they can have manufacturer exposure at a b and c and i was just like mm-hmm. holy cow like there's just so much that goes into it besides showing up with a race car oh yeah absolutely and hopefully now this year you know with all the fans being there and all the sponsors and everybody coming back it'll be way more involved than you know those people really got taken out of their job the last couple of years because of covid they couldn't they couldn't schedule all those events and do that now we're going to all go back hopefully to that and and that's you know that's the fun part too is all the people you meet the friendships you make and when you go to the track it's like old home week it's like oh Uh my gosh I haven't seen you forever and and that's that's the fun part too I absolutely absolutely love motorsports as I know you do as well so now tell me a little bit about what's your year coming up look like what are you going to be doing where are you going to be going where can we find you and watch what you're doing? So this year is probably the most collective year that I've had yet in the sense that I'm really dedicated and really committed to kind of just one series, which is great because I've never had that opportunity to deep dive into one series. Um, so uh, World Racing Group, which owns World of Outlaws, mm-hmm. uh, actually approached me after I would filled in for some races for them last year and offered me the full-time World of Outlaw late model job. So I'm the pit reporter for them. Um, it's 59 races is what we're scheduled for. Yeah, and we're, and that's not even that crazy. The sprint car field folks, I think have 81 races or something. I know. Uh, yeah, so 59 races, plus there's a couple others that are you know sprinkled in there with uh, some combination events with like big races like the World and the Dream at Eldora and stuff. So. Yeah. Um, I'll do everything on that. That's all on Dirt Vision. And I actually also took on the role of digital content coordinator for World Racing Group uh, for the late models. So that way, not only I can do the on-air stuff, but I can create pieces that are those behind the scenes videos, you know, that are documenting, you know, recently last week, we had a driver who was a long tenured driver with the tour who battled cancer over the off season, beat cancer and his first race back came back and one. And so we're going to do a sit down piece with him and I get to orchestrate that and tell that story. Um, so I'm really excited for the opportunity to, you know, put these pieces out there, give short track racing fans, a, you know, an inside look to things that they might not be able to see otherwise, but also 
be the feet on the ground at the racetrack, you know, follow this tour. So it's going to be busy. You know, I'm hoping that I also have a couple other things in the works as far as, you know, some network stuff, potentially. Um, I've dabbled a little bit in motocross in the last year or two. I think there might be some opportunities there that I could jump in and fill in for some of my friends. Uh, but it, you know, it only boils down to like 28 weekends, which sounds like a lot to most people, but out of a 56 week year, like that's really not that many considering how many times I'm usually on the road. Right. Um, so it won't be, it, I say it won't be terrible, but I seem to be a workaholic. Every time I get a phone call, I just can't turn it down. <laughs> so do you typically drive from one to the other? You fly, what do you, how, how do you get to where you need to go? So depend on our race weekends, I'd say about half of the race race weekends, we usually race Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and about half of them, if not a little less than half are at the same racetrack. So we have a Thursday night race, Friday night race, Saturday night race, three in a row, same racetrack. So we'll usually fly in, stay for that. The other half of the races, um, we're at three different racetracks in three different days. Yeah. So in those scenarios, you know, we'll usually fly in the day before that Wednesday, go to racetrack number one work all day, pack everything up, drive overnight. And the nice thing about dirt racing is everything's a little bit later in the day. So we don't yeah. have to usually get there till two or three in the afternoon. So you, you know, you get to your hotel at three o'clock in the morning, sleep till noon, get up, go to the racetrack, do the same thing. And most of our overnights are three to five hour drives overnight okay. to the next racetrack. So, um, there's a couple weekends that are pretty brutal. And yeah. then, you know, I'll usually fly home um, or depending on where we are, I can drive home. We have some Carolina based, you know, races, some Virginia uh-huh. based races. We go to Bristol again this year. So it's definitely travel intensive. It's, it's, yeah. it's different than the NASCAR side of things where, you know, we fly with the team planes, we, you know, land at the FBOs near the racetracks. This is definitely a little bit more, you know, down to earth uh-huh. uh, reality check traveling, which right. is fine. I don't mind it. I think some of the best stories and some of the best memories that I've even had so far in my racing like tenure have been with this group, you know, at two o'clock in the morning at a gas station in yeah. Louisiana. So right. or or a late night meal at Waffle House or whatever it might be, right? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yep. We have visited our fair share of waffle houses i'm sure you have that's uh, i'm sure you have for sure you know it's interesting that um again people think that it's glamorous right people that don't know that you you know you work all day it could be 100 degrees um it's dirty it's dusty uh you love it but the reality of it is those things are all true then you pack up you drive somebody's driving all night somebody might be sleeping when it's your turn to drive you're not sleeping and and people look at hannah newhouse and think oh she's got a glamorous life and in some ways you do but there's some reality to it isn't there oh absolutely if people only knew how many days i would go with the red dirt absolutely caked in my hair because i truly didn't have time to stop between racetrack one and racetrack two to like shower and clean up before I went back on air the next day. And, you know, it, even the NASCAR side of it, you know what I mean? The, the dirt track racing thing is definitely a different atmosphere, but I know there was a lot of conversation uh, at the tail end of last year when NASCAR announced the 2022 schedule and it announced that our off weekends, I think there was usually two to three 
that we would usually get are gone. We get Easter weekend, I think off and that's it the entire week, the entire year. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people chimed in and they were like, well, if you don't like it, get a new job. There are a ton of people that would kill for your job. At the end of the day, it's still a job and it's a job that we've worked really hard for, but that doesn't mean that we should have to work Monday through Friday, you know, and the nine to five is not a real thing. These guys are getting to the shop at five o'clock in the morning and they'll work till five o'clock the next morning. If that's what needs to be done on these cars to get them ready, Mm -hmm. then to travel and leave their families, you know? So I think NASCAR is going to recognize that. And I think there'll be some give and some take. I think we'll start to see either shorter seasons or, you know, more off weekends or double headers, maybe double headers, something to alleviate, you Mm -hmm. know, that, that schedule. Cause they're seeing a very big turnover right now in the industry. A lot of the guys that have been in the industry for 35, 40 years, they're leaving and you're getting this younger group that's coming in, you know, and the technology that we have, it doesn't take, it doesn't take 10 days to fabricate a car anymore. Everything is right factory made and it can be you know repaired in a truly a matter of hours what seems like anymore right so I think there's going to be a big change in the industry on how that is how that schedule is built the expectations on the teams and the crew guys Um, because it is it is a very tough it is very demanding it's hard on families it's Mm -hmm. hard on relationships we love our jobs but at the end of the day it is a job right and it's just like, you know, Eric Almarola, he's going to, he's going to step, or is, is that right? Yeah. Or is it Almondier? Yep. yep. Oh, Eric, yeah. stepping down at the end of this year. Yeah. And, and people like, oh, he's not that old, blah, blah. Yeah. But he is, he has young kids. Mm-hmm. And at some point you have to say, what, what's going to be the lasting thing in my life? My family, you know, yep. and he's raced long enough. He probably doesn't have to race and he's, got a lot of other talents and things that I'm sure he can do outside of racing but um people that are you know casual fans and and I call them you know the crazy keyboarders who like to type and have all the opinions in the world but they've never lived a life and and unless you've walked in somebody's shoes you probably need to just back off and and not be so critical because I mean, I've, I haven't had to travel weekend after weekend, but I've been to some races on a weekend where the temperatures were in the hundreds, it was concrete, it was miserable, and I had the opportunity to go into the media center where it was air conditioned. My friend Liz, that was the tire specialist, was working out in the sun that whole time. So let's not be so critical of the people that are bringing us the sport that we love. I yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely, uh, it, it makes you giggle sometimes. Those yeah. who, and some of those weekends are brutal. Like Texas always seems to kick our butt. And uh-huh. It's always so hot in Texas. You almost like do the nose goes of, okay, who's going to go to Texas. Yeah. Not that we don't love Texas, but who I know it is usually brutal there. True. Very true. So do you have a favorite racetrack? Where's the, where's your, if you could go to any racetrack, what's your favorite one? Ooh, that's really tough. Um, this is going to sound crazy, but a lot of the racetracks start to blend together because you start to oh, go to so many of them. Sure, I know. Especially like on the NASCAR circuit. Uh-huh. I'll be walking down pit road and I'm like, wait a second. Am I at Texas or where am I? Like, where am I for a second? Because they know. actually really truly started to blend together. Um, you know, 
Martinsville is always a great environment. Uh, same with Bristol, phenomenal environment. You know, from a fan aspect, if you've never been to Talladega, get there. You've got to experience Talladega, yeah. truly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's been off the last couple of years with COVID and everything, but like Talladega's an insane fan experience, as is Daytona. Um, you know, my choice in probably racing has changed a little bit again after the last couple of years. Uh, just because what I have gotten to experience, Irwindale Speedway out in California oh, yeah. was a place that I got to race. Loved it. Loved the, you know, racetrack, the racing it put on, the people around there. Um, my home track is Meridian Speedway. That will always have a place in my heart because I loved racing there. I love the promoter. The race fans are incredible. But I'm now in competition with dirt races, which I never thought would even be something that would come out of my mouth. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So like Prairie Dirt Classic is also another race that is at Fairbury Speedway in Fairbury, Illinois. And it is this itty bitty, tiny little town in Illinois. And they shut it down. They shut the entire town down the week of Prairie Dirt Classic. Mm -hmm. You get around on golf carts. They shut the high school down. You can camp on your tents on the baseball diamond. There's campers on the soccer field. And the joke is that it's a, a party and a race breaks out. Uh-huh. And I mean, but it's great because there's families there. There's a golf tournament because the golf course backs up to the racetrack. Like that probably was one of the most eye-opening events where I wanted to be like NASCAR, look, take a look at this. And this uh-huh. is how you like put right. together a weekend because Prairie Dirt Classic was so much fun as a broadcaster the drivers enjoy it fans come from all over the country mm-hmm. for that race the you know the little the whole community they plan their yard sales around right. Prairie Dirt Classic right. and there's yard sales all weekend long I got I stole a golf cart last year and drove around and went yard sailing in the morning yeah. of Prairie Dirt Classic it was great Right. And it's, it's really, it's really the grassroots of racing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And that's not that far from me. So I'm going to have to put that on my bucket list. Yes, you definitely should. I think it's usually August. Yeah. I've heard of it, but I didn't know about all what you just said. I just knew there that was there, but um, definitely sounds like something that I need to, to be a part of. You know, there's nothing better than those little little towns in the Midwest that have their summer celebration. It just happens that Fairbury uses the race the race for theirs, mm-hmm. and so yeah, such 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 fun. I I can't wait for the summer to get here so we can get started racing and and hitting the tracks. Now you'll be in Knoxville, I assume. Uh, yes, for the late model nationals. Okay. Oh, not for the sprint car nationals. Okay. All right. So I'll, I'll be in Knoxville for the sprint car nationals because we're going to be doing another woman's event there this year. Uh, Lori Cutter and I did one last year, um, all about women in motorsports, and they've asked us to come back and do that again. So I'll be there for the sprint cars this year, but another great track and facility and great fans. So, um, yeah, that's one of them that's already on my list. So Hannah, I know you also, I was going to mention this earlier when you were telling me all the things you've done. Haven't you also filled in on Door Bumper Clear? (laughs) Yes, I have. (laughs) That was another funny instance where I don't even remember 
how I got connected with them, but it wasn't like a, Hey, we found a host to fill in. Here's these guys. I'm pretty sure I met Freddie and Brett through like a night out at a bar one night with like some mutual friends. And then the conversation became, well, if we ever need to fill in, do you want to fill in? And I was like, yeah, sure. Ha ha. And didn't think anything about it. And Uh that has also snowballed. Like those guys are the annoying big brothers that I didn't think I needed. And they are so great. I love them to pieces. You know, Brett's one of the people that I call for all sorts of information, advice, whatever. Freddie and I have had one too many beers together. Freddie and my, and my fiance, they, him, they're buddies. They're super close buddies now. And it is a good Uh time. That podcast, sometimes I need to take Advil before I walk into that building. Yeah. Prepare myself to deal with them, but they are, they are good folks. Or maybe a Xanax. I'm not sure, but yeah. Or a shot of tequila, something, you know, I, I have two favorite podcasts and mine is not one of them. Um, door bumper clear is one of them and the Dale junior download. I think they are the top two podcasts in motorsports hands down. And, um, I laugh out loud at the door bumper clear guys. They just are such a hoot and yet they can really get on a tangent and go crazy on a subject here, there, or whatever. And so, um, you never know what they're going to say they get off track so quickly and, and the, the trains going who knows where, but um, I did know that you had been on there a few times because I don't miss it when they're, when it's on, I don't miss it. So um, had to be a fun time to hang out with those guys. Oh yeah. Like you said, we get off track very quickly and Jason's usually throwing stuff at me from the producers thing, like, get them back on track. And I'm like, but I want to be a part of this conversation. Right. Yeah. They're very, they're very educated. You know I mean? They're very immersed they in sport, not only as spotters, but you know, Brett's got a marketing company that deals with marketing and driver representation in NASCAR. Yeah. TJ has been around forever. Mm-hmm. Freddie's part of, you know, a new integral team. And so it's like, they've just got all the different views. Yeah. So, yeah. And they are, you know, when, when they're serious and they're really talking about, you know, some serious stuff and they're not off track. You can learn a lot from what they have to yes. say because they also bring another perspective that, you know, you can't get just anywhere. So I haven't met them in person, but I would love to because I just want them to know how much I enjoy their their show and I listen to it religiously. So Hannah, this year is going to be fun. You're going to be going lots of different places. Is there any one thing you're looking forward to the most about 2022? Um, I get to cross a lot of new racetracks off my, you know, my, my track list. I have a running track list of Mm -hmm. the prerequisite is I have to have had watched racing action on that track for it to have counted on my track list. Um, and I think I hit like 105 or 110 this year wow. is how many racetracks I've been to. And I think I'm supposed to push close to like 130 by the end of this year. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of cool places, a lot of cool race fans, meet a bunch of new people, which I'm looking forward to. Um, I have never been to I-55, which Peevely, I think it's like Federated Auto Sports something raceway that Ken Trader owns. Yeah. Heard that's a great time. I'm looking forward to going there. 
Um, I also get to go to the dream later this year. I've never been to the dream before. I've been to Eldora, but I've only been to Eldora for NASCAR races. Oh, when the trucks used to go there. So now I get like a true Eldora experience, not right. a NASCAR Eldora experience. I went to um, Eldora for the Kings Royal. Okay. A yeah. Few years ago. That's definitely a true Eldora experience. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially sprint cars there. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just a couple of racetracks that I'm like looking forward to. And then honestly, like off track, I am looking forward to, but also low-key stressing, trying to plan a wedding while I'm on the road. I was going to ask you about that. So when is that going to happen? So we picked a date. It's January 21st, 2023. So it would have been a year last weekend. Um, That is literally the only weekend between Dylan and I's schedules that we pretty (laughs) much know probably nothing will be scheduled on. Like our only two options was January 7th, which is the weekend between the Tulsa shootout and the Chili Bowl. And then January 21st is the weekend between the Chili Bowl and the Rolex. And I was like, that's it. Because after that, yeah. we both roll into Rolex and Speed Weeks. Yeah. And then the NASCAR season starts. So Dylan's gone. And then I got my dirt season that starts up. And then my dirt season goes well past November. Right. Um, you know, then we got indoor season between like DeCoin and the Rumble and uh-huh. Gateway. Then it's yeah. Christmas. And you're like, how I do know. we get here? So... Yeah. Yes. Trying to plan a wedding is going to be. That'll be interesting. interesting. You'll get it done. The nice thing is nowadays you can do so many things online that, you know, it's, it makes it a lot easier than the, the first, my first marriage, I got married in 1974. So it tells you quite, quite much older than you, Hannah, I could be your grandma. And, um, you know, there was no such thing as internet or any of that and you had to go to the places so nowadays at least you can do a lot online which is good for where you are because you're all over the country so oh it's been so nice like even with like our catering and our dj and all that kind of stuff like eventually we plan to sit down in person with them but honestly everything so far has been you know via zoom we you know met our dj on zoom meetings and i've had two or three conference calls with like catering Uh to make sure everything was good to go and the only thing that i did in person which is crazy is like our venue when we went and toured our venue that was the only in-person thing that we we, we've done thus far and so yes it will be nice to you know be able to do that while on the road i'll have that availability but some of the race trucks that we go to sell service is asking a lot so oh, I know uh, for sure. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of times I'm like, I'm just going to be out of commission for the week. I'm yeah. just going to have to wait till the next week. But um, so have you said yes to the dress yet? I am doing that next weekend. Okay. My mom flies in on Tuesday. And so we're going to go dress shopping on Tuesday. I'm like, that's about the only weekend also okay. that I have before I hit the road. So, well, that's exciting. You've got a lot to look forward to over the next 365 days or oh, so. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm really happy for you. And, and I, I know who Dylan is. I've watched, you know, I've seen him. I haven't met him in person, but I will one of these days. And, uh, and I'm, I'm happy for the two of you. I think you will have a long and very happy life together. So congratulations on your engagement and your upcoming wedding for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. So Hannah, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you'd like to share with my listeners? I don't think so. I'm pretty good at going on tangent. So I always feel like you ask me one question and I answer three on accident. So. That's okay. 
that makes my part easy. Yeah. I can just let you talk and I'm, I'm happy about that. So that's awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, you know, now that we've met on Zoom, the next, the next step is to meet in person and we will one of these days see each other at a racetrack somewhere. And I'm looking forward to that because now I've added you to my friends list. And I, I love the people that I've met not just through um, Zoom calls and recordings, but at the racetracks. And as you said, we're family once we get to know each other. So um, hopefully, you know, you'll get started here soon and you'll be traveling and you'll be enjoying your year and just hope that all the racing goes well this year for every series. Um, why don't you tell people like uh, just real quick, a little bit about Dirt Vision and how they can find you. Yeah, so Dirt Vision is the broadcasting partner for the World of Outlaw Sprint Cars, uh, World of Outlaw Late Models, uh, Super Dirt Car Big Block Series, Big Block Modifieds up in the Northeast. And then they also actually house a lot of uh, local track races, including like Hussets, Jacksonville, Volusia, uh, Williams Grove, Port Royal. And I think there's a couple others that are like weekly divisions that mm -hmm. they run. So it's a uh, on-air streaming platform, essentially, um, you know, similar to like Peacock and that kind of right. stuff where there's a bunch of different content plus live stuff. So um, that is where I am each and every week. Some of our stuff does end up on CBS as well. Yeah. So uh, on occasion, you know, you accidentally walk into an airport bar and there I am <laughs> on the CBS screen. It's great. Always a good surprise. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it keeps us busy. I mean, we, on a regular weekend, we've got a bunch of tracks in Australia actually also. Oh. So on any given weekend, uh, there can be about seven to 12, uh, okay. live races going on, on dirtvision.com. So it's, All right. it's busy, but it's a one-stop shop for dirt racing. It is. And it's a, it's a great platform. It's a great streaming service. So I've watched many race on there and uh, it's, it's worth investigating and, and adding to your list of streaming services if you haven't already. So, well, Hannah, I really appreciate your time today. I know you're a busy girl. Um, appreciate that you were willing to be on the podcast with me. And I just want to wish you the best this year. Hope you have safe travels and lots of fun at the racetrack. Awesome. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. We couldn't produce this podcast without our many sponsors. So at this time, let's take a listen to one of our amazing partners. When you can't be at the racetrack to follow your favorite driver, log into My Race Pass on your phone and you'll be able to follow all the action no matter where you are. My Race Pass provides stunning technology to grassroots motorsports for the most data-packed, instantly updated, race-related content engaging all motorsports enthusiasts. Get live timing and scoring on race day with My Race Pass Live. Any My Race Pass track or series that utilizes transponders will have their lap times displayed in the app. You can even check out historical lap times to see if drivers are faster or slower than last year. Subscribe to My Race Pass today and tell them Melinda from the IWMA sent you. Thank you for listening to the Racing Girls Rock Podcast, brought to you by the Women's Motorsports Network.